This is a Blended Radio audio experience. Welcome to Coach's Corner with the coaches at Blended Athletics. Welcome back to another episode of Coach's Corner. Uh, this is Cody. I'm here with Daryl. and Today Hello. we're going to be talking about strength. So the first topic and essentially the theme of the podcast is why is strength valuable? How does it relate to your real life? And then we'll get into how do we measure it and how do we build and progress it? So Daryl, you want to kick us off here? Why is strength valuable to you? Why is strength valuable to me? Um... It's valuable to me because I want to, okay, so in my harder training years, I was really obsessed with trying to become the strongest calisthenics athlete on earth. Um, Looking at the fact that there are 7 billion people on this planet, give or take right now, I realized after a little bit that that is a reasonably unrealistic goal (laughs) to try and achieve. Yeah, it's a lofty goal. (laughs) My my chances of succeeding in that are literally 7 billion in one or to one. So um, So you're saying there's a chance. There's a small chance, a limited (laughs) window of opportunity for me to get there. Um, But I I got to be at my strongest point. Actually, I'm probably at my strongest point now. But when I was really, really getting into that uh, that calisthenic strength, there were a lot of things that I realized. in terms of how that strength related to just everyday aspects of my life. And so when my son came around, I found that as he got older and older and as he started to, to weigh more, especially when I was picking him up, that I didn't want him to feel heavy for me. Um, and so for me, you know, picking him up now with him being 30 plus pounds, I want that to still feel, obviously it won't, but I want it to feel similar, be just as easy on my body as when he was two months old. Uh, so that would be the main thing for me is, and I've talked about this in other podcasts before, just being, being kind of supple and strong all the way up into old age for me. Uh, my second reason really is just due to my, my training in martial arts. And that's probably the most important physical pursuit that I have. And it's something that you just you can't slack off with. And for me, martial arts isn't so much about wanting to be, you know, a violent person or wanting to go around getting this fight and stuff. Actually, I, I'm completely adamant against fighting. I'm really a pacifist by nature, but I do it for the confidence and being able to walk through a sketchy area. Like I'm in downtown Dartmouth and it's it's sketchy. <laughs> you know, I hate using that word, but it's pretty sketchy where I live at. Um, but to be able to walk with my kid, you know, on his little tri bike and go anywhere in that town and feel relatively confident that if something should happen, I can take care of him and then protect him or my family, you know, if I need to. That's a that's a huge motivator for me to want to be strong. And so I would say that's the secondary aspect. Um, just just being strong and confident and just having, you know, everything that comes with that confidence. And knowing you have the resilience to, to tackle whatever life would throw at you, whether that's like a, a confrontational situation or even if it's a natural disaster or something Definitely. that would that could happen, like you can deal with the, the consequences. Zombie of, apocalypse, you know, <laughs> whatever. Like, it's real. It could happen. <laughs> <laughs> who knows, right? Um, yeah, I think that's huge. I think a lot of people would who do value strength would, would relate a lot to that. I know I do. Definitely that. Um, a big reason why I fell in love with strength was that the feeling of the general like resiliency that it builds in the body, the confidence that you have. Mm. Um, and it's just overall, it's a pursuit that's shaped my life a lot, especially as a strength athlete. Um, so I agree with a lot of that, especially like the point where you touched on going into old age or, or playing with your kid, things like that. I think that's so valuable. And, and strength is a extremely important for maintaining quality of life, maintaining, you know, your independence as you get older, um, especially for like, like elderly populations, that as soon as you start losing your strength and you, you know, you lose your mobility, you need to have people around to help take care of you, then you're losing your independence. And I know for a lot of people, that's, uh, that's something that you want to avoid or at least push off for as long as possible. So strength training, whatever modality you choose to, to use for your strength training, 
can be very beneficial for your long-term health and quality of life. Uh, 100%. Yeah. There was a, um, I don't know, maybe you would have read it yourself, Cody, but there was a study that came out not too long ago that equated longevity with grip strength. Yeah, I have heard that. And and for a while, when that when that came out, I was I was really racking my head around like, what is it about about grip strength that would make a person live longer? And for me, without having really dived too deep into like the overall science of it, I'm I'm kind of under the impression now, given everything else that I know about strength and, and building and stuff, that it's maybe not the the so called grip strength per se but just the ability to manifest strength and maybe the marker that they were using to measure this happened to be, you know, how much tension they can generate using their hands and their forearms. Um, but for me, that's a really big thing. You know, if, if how much strength that you can, you can muster in any given moment is directly related to how long you'll live. Like, why would you not want to keep, keep and maintain that? And I know, I mean, I've been into nursing homes. I've volunteered at some and seen people and how decrepit and weak they can get. And I don't, I don't want to be a burden on anybody like that. Like I would rather, I'd rather die young and strong than be 90 years old, but can't lift a spoon, Mm -hmm. you know, um, just due to deteriorating joints and muscles and stuff like that. Yeah. I like that note you made on, on being a burden. I have seen some, um, I can't remember where I read it, but I have seen some things that are talking about essentially like as people age, one of the most common concerns is that they don't want to be a burden to family members or caregivers, things like that. Like they want that's a part of you wanting to maintain your own independence, but also, like you said, not being a burden on on those that you care about and those that you love. Uh, with regards to the grip strength thing, I think I think you're right. With um, it, it just happened to be the metric that they were using to to test um, grip strength in and of itself in a vacuum. I don't think is from what I've read anyway is is anything particularly special where it's related to longevity. It's more of a, a global like reflection on the total amount of strength that you do have. If you have a ton of grip strength chances are you have a ton of general strength period like because it, it just doesn't operate exclusively from you know the forearm right if you the the things you would have to do to manifest uh, a lot of grip strength would mean you'd, you'd likely have a global high amount of strength for the entire body mm. um yeah so like there's a there's i think there's a, a quite a bit of research now showing that the more strength you have later in life the typically the longer or at least the better quality of life you have but but often it is a longer life as well so Anybody who's looking to extend the quality of your life or, or sort of do whatever you can to make sure that your life is as long and as healthy and happy as possible, strength, I, in my opinion, is your, your best mechanism to go about that. Cardiovascular health is huge as well, so you do need to have a certain element of cardio training. Um, but ignoring strength just to exclusively go down that route of, of endurance training or cardio, I think, is... In my opinion, it's you're missing out on a, a large part of what's going to help you stay independent and, and healthy for a long a long run. What do you think? I 100% agree. Yet again, I think um, you know if you're if you're in your 80s and you can run five or six k and not really be winded, but picking up a can of soup, you know, is it enough to throw out your back for a week? Like it's you're pretty limited in terms of what you can actually do with your life. So why is that not something that you would train? Um, but then again, I know that certain people have their biases and some people don't want to to work on their strength just because of whatever, you know, whatever reason they may have. Maybe they don't want to look, quote, bulky. Um, or maybe they just find that to be a challenge that they're not willing to uh, submerge themselves in. So they just kind of stay away from it and maybe go with what's what's easier, what's familiar to them. But I think I think you do do yourself a large service. And the same for, for strength athletes. Like I'm I myself, like I'm certainly guilty of that, you know, training too heavily in the strength area 
and then and then losing the ability to walk up a flight of steps. With, <laughs> yeah, without, you do need to keep some amount of yeah, yeah, yeah with, without feeling like Aunt Agnes who smoked a pack of Marlboro Lights every every day. You know, like it's a it's a yeah. real thing. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think even like with that notion of being in your eighties and able to run a five a five k like. It's amazing. The, the, that is a fantastic thing, but the likelihood that you're going to be able to do that without continuing some sort of, sort of strength training, like that you'll still be able to run, is, is probably pretty low. Mm. Like that strength training doesn't necessarily mean you're coming in the gym and moving a barbell. It could be any modality of maintaining strength, but you're going to need a certain amount of strength just to be able to propel your body and absorb the impact of running. Definitely. Um, something I think of often from, like I grew up in a very rural area at home. Um, it's really common to for a lot of people to have like wood stoves. You cut wood for the winter. Like people are, it's very active kind of lifestyle. Like you, whenever there's labor to be done, uh, it's still very common at home that like you do your own kind of manual labor as opposed to hiring out. A big part of that is there's up until very recently like there wasn't much opportunity even to hire people to come do labor for you. So like if you needed wood cut for the winter, like you had to go cut your own wood. Or if you're doing some landscaping work or whatever around your house, like you had to do it yourself. It just it is what it is. So a lot of the older generation now who are at home in their 80s and 90s, um, people in my family included, like my grandfather was active right up until essentially the last couple months before he passed away when he, when he went to the hospital. He lived alone still in his home. Like he was out plowing his own driveway. He was doing like doing active things around the house, around the yard, like his entire life. That's he nice. was still like tinkering, fixing his, uh, his machinery and stuff like that. Like he had you no know, skidoos and, and Cushmans and, thing, and plows. And he was still like fixing it himself and maintaining his whole property at, like well into his mid eighties until the point where essentially he was, he felt too ill and had to go into the hospital. But because he stayed active his entire life, he never lost that strength. Mm-hmm. And because he never lost it, he was able to maintain a high quality of life right up until the end, essentially. Um, and then like having conversations with him basically on his deathbed, the reflection of being able to maintain that independence was so clearly valuable to him that it left a huge impression on me amazing <clears throat> my family really didn't go that route so i have nothing to uh, compare that to but man kudos to your granddad yeah it's it's amazing i think it's it's somewhat of um not necessarily cultural but just sort of like a location thing where mm. if you're in such a rural area and it's part of the the fabric of that area to be active um it, it's just definitely like that was the norm yeah. like it was normal for people to be active and out and and working around you know maintain their properties things like that late into life like mm. Growing up, they farmed. They grew their own, you know, their own vegetables. They had their own livestock. All those things, like everybody worked. It was just the nature of that area, like a very blue collar area, which I think is very common for small towns, like rural areas, especially here. Which is okay. Yeah. So going back to the conversation of the podcast that we did a couple of days ago on pivoting fitness, I think this is one area that I kind of wanted to touch on, but I don't think we we spent very much time here. But I didn't hear you say any time during the last couple of minutes that your granddad was an avid gym goer. Um, no, to wasn't. maintain his strength. So obviously the physical, you know, the physical exercise that he got came from just the nature of the life that he lived. And I wrote a blog article uh, not too long ago, just comparing, you know, comparing some of these things and looking at, you know, the person who cuts down their own tree and hauls the wood or even, you know, kills a deer, you know, 10, 10 K from their, from their house and has to drag yeah. this thing back. Or, you know, the crab fisherman, um, who has to haul giant traps up onto a boat multiple times a day. Like these people don't have to work out um, in order to maintain their strength, but they're definitely very, very strong people relative to, to what it is that they do. 
and and they can build impressive physiques without ever having to set foot in a gym so i guess it, it just goes back again to like your overall lifestyle and how you choose how you choose to manifest or i guess use use the strength and um and build it yeah absolutely there's well there's no gym in my hometown the nearest gym was uh is about 30 minutes 30 35 minutes away um and then even that is kind of like a small area but there's there's no gym at home and that was definitely not part of like any any normal kind of culture of the, of the area growing up especially for his generation like the idea of going to a gym was just like why would you go to the gym right. you're doing 12 hours of manual labor a day it's just right. kind of kind of silly right yeah but yeah just doing like all those active things and like you mentioned hunting like my step grandfather so my stepdad's dad is in his um, mid to late 70s now and he still actively moose hunting this season like he's moose. got his yeah he's got his license he's out with my stepdad and they're hunting together like his other sons and, and daughters and nephew and like everyone like the, he's out essentially with the whole family helping everyone get their get their their moose for the for the year so, and he's in his mid 70s like no issue for him to get up at 5 in the morning go out and walk through like dense thick like bog lands everything exhausting if you've never done it by yeah the way. like last Not time really. i was home for moose season i went out with him and he was just like burying me like he's gone flying through this it's like knee deep snow yeah. and he's just like <laughs> flying through we're two hours deep in the woods i'm like, I'm like is there a helicopter coming to get us or something because like i'm done and he's like oh come on man like, I'm like this is it's, you know oh, if you man. if you're able to maintain it and keep that active lifestyle like the quality of life that you can have in your old age is mm-hmm. like i wish more people had like those types of idols to look up to so you could see what is possible that you can have a very long and a very independent and and fulfilling life if you maintain um your essentially your ability and a lot of that comes from the strength i i couldn't agree more as as i always say and it's, it's really interesting too and this kind of sparks a whole other conversation but the fact that so many of the elderly nowadays they're so far removed from that that the only example that we tend to see of people aging is being kind of like the the hunched over you know yeah. decrepit shriveled up old person i mean there, there's many days where i'll go into the superstore or even sobies and i'll look around and be like damn like if this is what getting old looks like shoot me while i'm 35 because <laughs> i don't i don't want to be there you know and, and it, it's really interesting to have that that contrast where you see people that are aging well and they can be 70 i mean i took a i took a hike in the woods a couple years ago and the snow was about knee deep and i remember walking about 500 yards and being utterly exhausted and completely yeah. covered in sweat and then and trying to figure out like how something like a deer can <laughs> can, can jump through this thing you know yeah. this stuff for an entire day to get to where they need to go and so the fact that your granddad at 70 could do something like that is a is a feat because that's i couldn't do that now i'll tell you that yeah well it's just it's i think a, a big part of it is that it's just normal but there's no second thought to it of like oh i'm there's, there's almost never a conversation of like, I'm too old for this now. It's just like, this is what you do. And then like, it, it is what it is. So you do it until you physically can't do it anymore. And then it, it, whatever point that is, it is what it is. But you see it often at home with, with that generation of people. So like my grandparents' generation, um, a lot of them were able to maintain it or are still maintaining it in their 70s, 80s plus. Um, and it's interesting, like you said, seeing people, you know, like I've seen you see people sometimes in like in their 50s and 60s who like aren't even retired yet they're still working and they have lost a ton of that ability um, they lost some of their independence already and of course there are some things you can't avoid like you know accidents happen or you may get sick early and that is what it is but that's a sort of a different subject but we're, we're saying for the for the general population people who are otherwise like relatively healthy and and their loss of independence comes essentially from their lack of activity over time and um, 
it's sad to see and it's, it's sad to see like to think about aging in that way of just like hearing people be like oh, I'm 40 like I'm too old for this now mm-hmm. or whatever like for like you you're too old for it at 40 like that's you're not you should, even halfway. You you're not even halfway yeah. on the timeline yet. Yeah, what's going to happen if you're too old to try new things or new sports or new activities at 40? What's going to happen when you're 60 hmm. or 70? Like, how are you going to maintain any independence over the long run? Um, so, I think a mindset shift is a huge part of that. And my hope is that you know culturally we start to see more people aging better through the use of fitness and the use of gyms and training. I mean, that becomes more normal. So people can, younger people can look up to that and say like, that's how I want to live out the later years of my life. Like when I think of myself in my sixties and seventies, hopefully I'll make it there. Like I expect those years to still be like active and I want to be contributing at that time. I don't, like you said, I don't want to be a burden to, to those that I care for and those that I love. Yeah, so like we talked earlier that uh, gyms aren't necess- aren't a necessity to maintain your strength. They're just a tool. So this is kind of where you and I might uh, separate a little bit on our methods mm. of how we measure and how we attain strength. Uh, I know you do a lot of body weight-based stuff. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so for me, <clears throat> I, I do I – do mostly all body weight stuff. I mean, recently since I've started teaching the loft, I've gotten back into lifting some weights, mainly in the in the shape of kettlebells. That's really one of the only things that I do and, and you know, the sled push every now and then. But it's interesting because when I really, really got my heaviest into working out a couple years ago and I was a purist, I was all calisthenics, I was adamant that I wasn't going to touch a weight because I wanted to see just how strong I could become. I moved in such a way as to make my workouts a dance. And so I talked about this in the last podcast. I would have a playlist that I would put on. I called it beast mode and it would just get me super, super hyped up for whatever workout I was going to do. And so every set that I did either on the pull up bar or on the floor was more to me like a dance or a routine than it was a set. And so for me, I stopped tracking my progress through you know, how long I could be on the bar or how many reps I could do. Cause really I wasn't doing reps. I might, you know, do one strict pull up and then go into a typewriter and then just see how I could contort my body. And for me, the way that I quote measured my, my strength or my progress was how easy it felt to me. And so I would say like, okay, like I tried this movement last week at this point in this song and this week it feels much, much easier. I was able to transition into another move and do this or maybe then from there I transitioned into this movement and held this for five or six seconds. Or for me, it was more of a feeling based thing than an actual, I would say, you know, quote, scientific, um, you know, measure it, track it, weigh it, kind of study it type thing. So it was, I guess, more of an intuitive, intuitive guy where I was just, you know, almost like dance. Like if you, if you look at, you know, a tango dance or something like that, you, you can see the difference between somebody who's danced for four months and somebody who's danced for 14 years. Uh, you may not be able to put them on some or in some, you know, some study and be able to track, I guess, who's better, but you can tell. And so I would say from that standpoint, my, my movement style was closer to dance than it was to exercise. Yeah. Did you feel like that was an, an enjoyable practice for you? Massively enjoyable. Cause for me, it was a dance and I, I enjoy dancing. I enjoy moving to music. And so for me to, to let go of chasing reps and to just say, you know what, I just want to move and, and vibe to this music and explore. 
it was it was utterly uplifting and freeing for me just to get over that. And I remember I'd be in the gym sometimes, and people would just stop and look at me, and they'd often come up to me and say, "What are you What are you doing? Like, like, Bro, what, what, you like doing? what you're doing looks really cool, but it looks utterly ridiculous at the same time. Like, what is it that you're doing? And I, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just I'm just experimenting. Does anybody know what they're doing? Yeah, but but in the process of doing that, I learned so much about my body, and maybe this was kind of segue into the next part or after you after you share. Yeah. But I learned I learned about the fundamentals of strength from a body weight perspective and that's where that's where i started really learning to apply this very very basic principle into every avenue or aspect of my life so i could really see the fruits of my effort for myself yeah i like i like a lot of that and i think i like especially the the notion of using like exploring through movement and using the strengths that you have to push the limits of what you're capable of and the types of movements that you can do and and a very like I like the idea of a very free, just kind of movement-based approach where it's about just expressing your physical abilities and not necessarily relying on like, I have to add five pounds to this lift or add one more rep for it to be valuable. Mm. For most people who are who are training and want strength to improve the total quality of their life, um, if we'd step back and looked at it more of this kind of free expression of movement, I think a lot of people would probably get more out of their entire fitness experience um, and it, it would likely for a lot of people be um, much easier to adhere to over the long run because unless you really love like the barbell training or strength sports or something like I do, um, it's very easy to get caught up in the numbers and get burnt out. And I see a lot of people who feel like they're failing if they're not adding weight every week. And if you're looking at strength as a way to improve your overall life and you're wanting to be active from essentially the time you're young or whatever time it is you find training if you find training in your 20s and the goal is to be active in your 70s at some point you're not going to be able to add more weight to the bar like that's inevitable wait wait so you're saying there isn't a cheat code for unlimited strength that i can just input in my 30s and and be able to go cheat code no and and everyone's going to have an upper limit too you know if you like if you're training for from your 20s to your 70s there there will be a point where you're going to start seeing a decline if your only metric for strength or for progress or another way to put it is if the only way you value that training is being able to hit new PRs and add new weight, um, at a certain point, your training is going to lose its value. And then what happens? Do you just quit? Because then you're losing all the potential benefits of staying strong and staying healthy. Now, if you if you want to be a competitor, um, like I consider myself a strength like a, a competitor and I'm a strength athlete, so there is a certain time frame of your life where adding weight to the bar and chasing new new numbers is of the utmost importance, that's where I am right now. But I'm also fully aware of there's gonna come a time when that can't be um, the value of my training anymore. At some point, I'm gonna be the strongest I'm ever gonna be. I won't necessarily know it at the time, but there's gonna be a peak. And then once I start to kind of move into that decline, whether it's in my 30s or my 40s or whenever it happens, um, that's when I'll have to shift to the point where the strength training value is just because of the way it makes like it, it improves the rest of my life. So I think for most people, if you're training just for the sake of making your life better, um, we'll take a squat for example. The value in the squat isn't to squat more. The value in squatting is because the squat makes you feel strong and that training makes you feel productive and it's adding to your life as opposed to the value of the squat is just for the sake of squatting. Because if you don't compete in powerlifting, the number that you squat bench and deadlift really doesn't impact your life that much. Like realistically, it's not going to make you a better person. It's not going to make the people you care about care about you more, whether you bench press an extra 10 pounds or not. It might get you some extra likes on social media. It might, but it also might not. 
might not. <laughs> People might just gloss over that video like everything else. Yeah, that's the other thing with social media too. Like if you're <clears throat> if you're training for certain numbers, like there's always going to be someone stronger than you. So like if you hit a PR on your deadlift. Someone else can do whatever you just did. For a lot reps. of other people can do. Yeah, yeah. a ton. Of, and <laughs> you can very easily find those people on social media. So if you're val if you're valuing yourself based on what you can lift, um, that's gonna probably be a probably be a pretty dark road for you because unless yeah. you just happen to be one of the best in the world, um, there's gonna be a lot of people who are stronger than you. And then that doesn't mean you're less valuable as a person. The other way, if you are one of the strongest in the world, that doesn't mean you're more valuable because you can express this phenomenal amount of strength. It's, it's sort of like those people at the upper echelon of sport, like, yes, they work very hard, but they also did win the genetic lottery to a certain, to a certain point where for some people, it doesn't matter how hard you work, you're just not going to deadlift a thousand pounds Definitely. like Eddie Hall did, right? <laughs> there's, I'm not deadlifting a thousand pounds, and I'm, I've, I've acknowledged that. And that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So next point, how, how do you measure it? So you talked a little bit about kind of measuring it based on the feeling, but I'd like to dig in a little more on, on your thoughts around how people could start to adopt that mindset themselves versus, especially as people who don't really, um, just don't vibe with measuring things based on the right. weight or the reps. Oh man. It's a, it's a tough, but it's a easy question to answer. And it, for me, everything seems to always come back to self-awareness and just being being aware of um, just what you're putting into it. And so I can say that for me, when I when I'm really locked into an exercise, I've used this example um, kind of in my writing before. But I'd say, you know, the the novice, when he takes something like a push up, he drops down to the floor, he does a couple of reps. And then when he's done, he feels like, oh, OK, my shoulders, I feel a little something in my shoulders or I feel a little something in my chest or whatever. Um, you know, the adept goes down and says, oh, I feel it a little bit in my shoulders, maybe some in my chest. I feel it in my core as well. The master, however, in my opinion, goes down to the floor and says, I feel my whole body. And so for me, you measure, you can measure your progress in that way by seeing just how much of your body you're able to recruit for every single movement. And so when I'm moving, it doesn't matter if I'm doing a push up or an air squat or a bodyweight squat or a kettlebell swing, I am entirely aware of every single part of my body. Like it's, it's a little bit harder. It's a hard thing to develop that full body awareness. But when I'm doing something like a, I don't know, like a kettlebell swing, I'm just as aware of what I'm doing with my toes as I am what I'm doing with my hands or how my wrists may be positioned as I'm swinging it or how I'm breathing or how my glutes are firing or you know how even um, the tension that I might feel in my shoulders there's so many different things that I'm trying to, to pay attention to in a sense all at once as I'm going through a movement and for me that's that's where I get kind of the meditative aspect out of it or, or the full body effect is that you know I'm, I'm, I'm measuring how much of my body I can bring into this one movement and that is that is my my baseline for a measurement I like that it's also a very mindful approach. Like, there's no way you could do that and not be present right. with the work that you're doing. Where if you're if you're only kind of gauging it based by based on the weight on the bar, you could lay down on a bench and just move a barbell and really be totally checked out in terms of like what's happening inside the body or what you're doing. That's not going to be your best way to to move weight either. But it is it is possible to be doing that. So I think I like that a lot. That brings in a whole element of mindfulness too, which is it's another beneficial practice that just can you can take to the outside world. Um, so one other thing with that is if you're, if you're keenly aware of how your body's operating and moving through space, whether it's a bodyweight movement or you're moving an external load, that's gonna translate really well to anything you have to do outside the gym. 
So if you're, like you said, picking up your kid, if you're taking groceries in, if you have to move some kind of odd object, like you're moving from house to house, things like that, uh, it allows you to express your strength in a way that's going to preserve, uh, or not preserve, but it's going to allow you to avoid doing things that could lead to injury or lead to accidents, slips and falls, things like that, while you're you're doing these kind of awkward things out in the real world, which, in my opinion, for 99% of people, the reason we're training and doing this stuff is to make the rest of our lives better in some way, probably for everyone, because even if you are a diehard competitor and your only express purpose for training is to compete and win, there's something about competing and winning that at least you feel makes your life better. So you're still, like, essentially anyone who's coming to the gym is doing it to improve some facet of their life, for the most part. Definitely. So, Cody, for you, how do you how do you measure? Is there any other way that you measure besides the, uh, the numbers there or even track your progress? Yeah, that's, for me right now, definitely the the way I track and measure is is the numbers. The number. And especially, like, as a competitor, like, that's what matters. And what I'm getting out of my training is, is trying to move the needle and move those numbers up um, in the long run. Something that I have t- talked a lot with clients, especially the clients I have who don't care at all about um, competing or put it like moving a certain number, they just want to feel stronger, is something similar to what you said is essentially can we can we make technique improvements? Can we just make the way you're moving weights feel more secure, more stable? Can we find the exercises and the styles of training that just make you feel better when you leave the gym? Um, so trying to trying to measure it over time with more of that in like reflection inward than just the weight on the bar. But myself personally, um, where I am right now in my training lifespan is is essentially what matters is the weight on the bar. I, I'm always trying to refine and correct technique as well. Um, but the you know so the, the guiding light, the North Star is is moving more weight so I can go and compete. And even for me to, to get more specific, it's can I move more weight at a competition when it matters. Mm. Even the, the numbers in the gym are great, but what ultimately matters is can I can increase my competitive total. Yeah, can you perform yeah. when it's time to perform? Yeah, if I lift, you know, 250 kilos in the gym and I go to competition and I can only do 200, then my number's 200, right? Right. ultimately. So that's a, that's kind of like the hyper-specific is the competitive strength athlete and then going more towards the broad I think is closer to what you're talking about of learning how to measure based on an intuitive feeling or being mindful, being in touch with the, with how your body's operating. And you're, you're very advanced at that, but I think that general approach probably fits in intuitively with a lot more of the general population, people who are using using training for improving a life than my approach does yeah i would say possibly possibly i think (laughs) like (laughs) you you i mean you know you and i are chasing very similar goals like we like we talked about before but just from two different two different paths to get there we're both we're both trying to chase strength um you obviously have more lofty goals than i do you know no pun intended um but like i said just using two methodologies I would say, I would say too, just to kind of back up a little bit. For me, the second, the secondary component of the strength beyond just like the the awareness and the the feeling and the the expression, the celebration of movement, is just it, uh, for me always goes back to tension, just building tension, and that's been the biggest thing that I've been working on. There's um martial arts style. Most people probably heard of it called Tai Chi, and then it's kind of sister cousin counterpart is is Qigong, um, and you'll you'll sometimes see people you know especially older people in parks doing these very very soft kind of flowing movements, and from the the outsider looking in, you would think that this is a really cheesy thing. 
but what some of these movements are showing you is how to create a very very soft supple body that's very relaxed that allows you to move through any position you want to without causing excess strain in the body and this is what they would call soft style you take that to the extreme far end and now you have hard style and, and if you're looking at something like qigong you might have a specific movement where you're tensing every muscle in your body as you move your arms and your legs in these certain positions and again, the, the novice looking at it might think that it's just a silly movement where a guy is squeezing and making really weird faces and turning red. But if you really understand the internal mechanics, you can see that you can build massive strength because you're training yourself to not only create tension, but then you're moving that tension or that load, even though it's not really loaded, but through space. And there was a time, there was a time when I sprained my ankle where I was just doing Qigong in order to maintain my strength. And I, I did not lose anything during my, my two months that I took off from hard training. Um, just just from the very act of, of holding my arms in space and squeezing them as hard as I could and then trying to move them. And so for me, everything boils down to tension. Just how much tension can you actually create in your body? And then whether or not you have a barbell or whatever, then you go ahead and you move from there. But I'm sure you can probably attest this. Like yeah. try and do a heavy deadlift without tensing your hand. And like you won't even, you can't even grab the bar, yeah. you know? And like, I, I've seen you lift really, really heavy stuff. And it's it's utterly impressing to me because I can never even fathom doing this stuff. Popping. Yeah, yeah. And I, I see every, every muscle and striation in your body and those veins bulge out to the surface. And I see your face turn red. And I know that lightheaded sensation is coming just a couple seconds after. And I'm like, Cody is squeezing right now like that to me is the epitome of strength um just to have that full body activation and then to see a massive weight leave the ground that's trying to literally drive you into the center of the earth yeah tension uh tension is something i talk about often and i consider a lot in my own training as well like would maybe we like talk about it different ways but uh, essentially it's the same same basic premise that if i'm trying to move a max weight I'm trying to recruit as much tension as possible to make either that weight, typically I'm trying to recruit the maximal amount of tension I have so I can make that weight move as quickly as possible. I want the most amount of acceleration that I can put on the bar so it's gonna move through spaces essentially as quickly and as easily as I can manage to move it. Um, and that comes from creating that tension and then transferring the force from that tension through the ground into the bar or through the bench into the bar, whatever your you know exercise you're using at the time. But tension is huge. Um, and then you get into creating tension for specific lifts, and then that's a, a whole another topic. Um, but yeah, I agree, tension's really big. And I, I like what you mentioned about, you know, like to the outside looking in, someone doing like the Tai Chi in the park, it might seem like, oh, they're just sort of like flailing and moving around. But if you're very uh, in tune with your body and aware with it, like you could be very acutely like working on your balance and your stability and feeling the way you're interacting with the ground or, or whatever object you're using. Um, and then that's going to bring a lot more sort of like kinesthetic awareness and just allow you to to move freely through space and whatever task that you're doing where getting extremely good at a conventional deadlift might not necessarily make you really good at a bunch of other movements it's going to build a ton of strength uh, and like global strength and power that you can then express in other ways if you have those skills but if you're if you don't have the kinesthetic awareness to do other tasks, then you might not actually be able to express the strength you have. I think that ties in nicely to one point that I wanna make is that strength is sort of movement specific or function specific. So you can be very strong at some things, but not so strong at other things. Like if you and I were to go head to head with any kind of body weight thing, you're gonna just destroy me. And like, likewise, if you were to ask me to deadlift, 
<laughs> yeah, <laughs> or like snatch or whatever. <laughs> yeah. And in, in my opinion, that doesn't necessarily make one of us stronger or weaker. It's just task dependent. Right. Relative. So if your express goal is to be is to have the most absolute strength possible when it comes to moving an external load, then the way you should go about that is to move external load. So mm-hmm. move a barbell, move kettlebell, whatever implement you're planning on using, whether that's like odd objects like strongman style or it's powerlifting or weightlifting or whatever, you have to move some sort of external load to build up your uh, ability in that sense. But if you want to be the most relatively strong you can be, so the best able to control your body weight, then that's a totally different style of training, which would be much more similar to to what you do, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. And that's why, you know, some people will come to me for gymnastics training, but then say, well, can you help me with this movement? I'm, I'm not the guy. Go talk to Cody. Go talk and, to Cody. Yeah, and vice versa. Like, if you if you want gymnastics training, especially strict gymnastics works, like, yeah, I know the basics. Like, I can do some pull-ups and dips and things like that, but I'm using those movements to supplement the barbell training that I'm doing. And the whole express purpose of having gymnastics and bodyweight movements in my programming is to make your barbell movements better. So if you really care about having great bodyweight strength in gymnastics, like go see a coach who specializes in that. And we, you know, Daryl is the guy here. So it's like the thing for us is kind of staying in our lanes to a point and making sure that we're cooperating and, and pointing people who want certain results to the appropriate resources. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, so let's wrap this up a little bit with kind of some some general points on building and progressing strength, uh, just overall that it's going to apply globally to any any methodology. I think, okay. I think the first Keep. the first and biggest one, in my opinion, is adherence. Being yeah. able to to stick to what you're doing. Got to be consistent. You got to show up day in and day out. You got to focus on what you're doing and put all the other bullshit to the background. Um, yeah, you need to you need to stick to something and be very very consistent with it. And what that consistently looks like, obviously, is going to be you know dependent on the person and the the goals that you have. But you gotta you gotta do it. And you gotta do it often. Yeah, if you're not doing it, you're not going to see the progress. I think often overlooked, the biggest part of that adherence is finding the training style that you actually enjoy. Because if you're trying to force yourself into Olympic weightlifting training and you hate it you're not going to do it for very long. And likewise, if I tried to force myself into a lot of like Daryl's calisthenics-based training, I probably wouldn't enjoy that much because I th- I'd get so much fulfillment out of moving a barbell. So it's easy for me to adhere to a strength program for powerlifting or weightlifting because I just love it. Like it's, it's part of the day that I look forward to. So it's easy to do that over the long run. I think too often people are trying to force themselves into liking CrossFit or liking running or liking whatever. Find the, the way to move that you actually enjoy, and you'll be able to do it the long run, no problem. Yeah, it won't be a chore for you. Yeah, that's to me, that's the biggest one, is you have to find what you like and then stick to it over the mm-hmm. long run because you're not going to get strong in six or eight weeks anyway. It's it's a year's life. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lifelong Your pursuit. Life. Um, after that, especially for what I do, it then I think it comes down to manipulating essentially like the amount of work you're doing how often you're doing that work and how intense it is so like volume intensity and frequency and that's where you get into the specific programming approaches and and that i think should be individualized based on your life stage your age your training history all of those things so essentially if you're a beginner follow a beginner program if you're an advanced athlete you're going to need a lot more manipulation of those variables most people especially if you're listening to this probably fall in the beginner or intermediate category where doing the basics frequently uh, is is going to get you off and running and, and get you results for a long time as long as you're trying to progress that in some way whether it's more uh, weight on the bar more reps or more time under tension if you're doing this kind of body weight 
style training. What do you think about that? Yeah, and the only thing I would add is just being more adept at recruiting, recruiting those muscle fibers. I think you taped that video that I did with the PVC pipe. Had me sweating in less than 20 seconds. <laughs> yeah. That's a PVC pipe, yeah. you know? So just again, that time under tension is great, but if you don't, if you're not actually bringing tension to the table, then you're just wasting your time. So, yeah, 100%. Uh, and then so it's finding some way, the next step would be finding some way to progress that, whether you're progressing the intensity, progressing how often you train, progressing the amount of work that you're doing over time as you get stronger, you're going to need to increase either the workload. Um, or just find some way to progress what you're doing in order to continue caught, like giving the body a stimulus to adapt to, right? Massive. Yeah. Otherwise, if you stay, if you if you get strong and then you stay doing the same amount of work, your body has adapted to that. Um, you're not going to get any stronger. You're going to start actually seeing your results go in the opposite direction because um, it's not enough stress to cause an adaptation. And essentially, everything we're doing in the gym here is a stressor and those stressors cause the body to adapt as long as they're appropriately delivered. If you do too much, you're getting some possible negative adaptations or you're risking injury. If you're doing too little, there just won't be enough stress to cause the body to change. And I think that's where a lot of our members go wrong is that they they grab that same weight day in and day out mm-hmm. and they wonder why the class is no longer a challenge for them. Or they say they're getting bored. Well, you're getting bored because yeah. you're not trying to progress anymore. Yeah. Like, or they have fantastic results in the first 18 months and then they start actually going backwards. Mm. And it's like, what's I'm doing? Coming in, and I'm putting in the work in, whatever. But it's like, well, you're not, you're not doing anything. You're not going above. Right. You're not challenging your limits at all. Um, I think another huge issue that's just as common is members pushing too fast, too soon, 100%. or making the jumps too big. You know, you can make a lot of progress by small incremental jumps over the course of years. But if you try to go from, you know, using a 20 pound dumbbell in a workout to doing the same workout two weeks later with a 50. Like the risk of injury is going to increase a lot with that because your body likely isn't ready to to handle that stress. This is assuming that if that 20 pound dumbbell was challenging. Now, if you come in one day and you pick it up and it's like as light as a feather, then you just you've made an appropriate load selection, or you haven't you haven't made an appropriate load selection. I should say. Yeah, and I think from that point, what you do the modality wise, like exercise selection or training style. That's when you can go in a lot of different ways and train, kind of train like Daryl does, train like I do, whatever. Um, but those those three basic principles apply to whatever modality you're going to be using in the future. Then you can start to, you know, experiment with different styles, rest periods, tempos, mm. types of training. Like that can all get pretty varied. Um, but you have to have something you can stick to. You have to manipulate how often you're training, how hard your training is, um, and you have to find some way to progress it over time. I think from there, whatever you choose to do, like those principles are going to apply to building strength. That's it. Well spoken. All right. Thanks, Daryl. Thank you, Cody. Make sure you hit that like, subscribe button, share with a friend. Yeah. Keep working. That's all we got for you. Peace. Thanks for listening to the Splendid Audio Experience. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave it a five-star review, share it with your friends, and subscribe.